So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we're in this series called Habits, and it's, it's really based on a, a, um, a book, Atomic Habits, by James Clear, and then some messages by Craig Rochelle at Life Church. And, and James Clear, it's an incredible book. I encourage you to read it. And he says something in there. He tells you and I, when we th- start thinking about goals, we all tend to have similar goals. Like if I started polling you in this room and say, hey, what are your goals? You'd say something along the lines of, you know what? Well, I'll, my goal is to be healthy. My goal is, you know, to be financially free and, 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 and have healthy finances and not be in debt. My, my goal is to be generous. And you'd probably say something along the lines of you're a Jesus follower. Man, my goal is to have an incredible relationship with God and for my life to count and matter and, and make a difference in the world for Jesus. We all going to have similar goals but we have dramatically different results. And the question becomes, why is that the case? Why does does that happen? And James Clear tells us, he says, goals aren't what determine your success in terms of the goal, what you're going after. Your goal, having a goal doesn't determine your success. It's the systems that you have in place. He says, you're not gonna like say, set a goal, I'm gonna rise up to that. He says, that doesn't happen. He says, you don't rise to your goals. You actually fall to whatever system or systems you have in place. So when you and I look at certain areas of our life and we we say, man, how did I get here? This isn't what I intended. This isn't what I hoped for. Listen, the vast majority of people don't get to that place. They don't mess up their life, ruin their life, destroy their life because of, you know, just one silly, dumb, or stupid decision. Occasionally that happens, but not usually. Rather, most of us, we get to that place where we mess up, destroy, ruin our our lives. We get there, one small decision, one bad habit, one day at a time, over time, that we end up in that really bad place. It's one bad habit developed over time. It's a bad system we have in place. And what I find very interesting is when you think about people's lives and you try to summarize a lifetime of bad decisions, we'll usually do it in just a single sentence. We'll we'll say something like, well, that person, you know, they, they, they fell into sin and they cheated on their spouse and they're divorced. One sentence, summarizing it all. Yeah, that person's always struggled with their, their, their weight and they died at age 58 from a heart attack. One sentence. Or yeah, that person was really irresponsible, so the company fired them. Listen, they didn't get fired typically from one bad decision. Rather, what happened in their life was there, it was over a time, over a series of small decisions that ended up leading them to a place. They developed bad habits over time, and those bad habits ended up destroying them. Now, if you and I would choose to read through the Bible through this one-sentence summary idea of just kind of summarizing someone's life, you'll see it everywhere. One of the most profound is found in Judges chapter 16, verse 1. And it summarizes what became a series of bad decisions for Samson that ultimately ended up to disappointment in his life and and, and then eventually death. And so I want to look at this. If there was anybody who was born with incredible potential given to him by God, it was Samson. And here's Samson because of one bad decision, one step, one bad habit, 
one day at a time, over time, that he ended up completely falling apart. So I want to look at this verse. It says this. Here's a summary sentence. Judges chapter 16, verse 1, and it says this. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. One sentence summarizes the beginning of a downward spiral for a guy who was incredibly gifted by God. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a a prostitute. Now, let's just unpack that for a moment here. Gaza is about 25 miles from Samson's hometown of Zorah. And Gaza was the Philistine headquarters, uh, and, and Samson was, you know, public enemy number one for them. Some of you know his story a little bit. So by going to Gaza, Samson is putting his life at risk. And so with no Uber available, he had to walk 25 miles into enemy territory to see a prostitute. He didn't stumble upon seeing one. And so my question is, how many people go 25 miles to a place that can kill them? To a place, in Samson's case, to, you know, kind of get a little action, if you, you know, if you know what I'm saying. Who does that? Simple. Countless people do that every day. Every day. I want you to take a guess. Uh, how many steps is 25 miles? For those of you who are into the, you know, the, the apps and you're tracking your steps and, and you're like, hey, you know what? Yesterday I took 100 steps. And, and if that's the case, I would just really encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. And, and you know, you got to start, man, and bump it up to 101. But for those of you who take steps, you're like, okay, mine's 10,000 a day or 20,000 a day or whatever your amount. You're just kind of thinking, how many steps is 25,000 miles? Take a guess in your head. 20, how many steps... It's 25 miles. Yeah, so whatever I just said, disregard, because I was word salad. 25 miles is about, give or take, 54,000 steps. Now, I want you to think about this. Samson didn't ruin his life all at one time. He took one step at a time. Over and over and over And over time, it added up to 54,000 steps down in a direction that began this downward spiral that ultimately got completely out of control for Samson. Most Most of us don't wreck our lives just all at once. How do we do it? One bad decision, one wrong step, one bad habit, one day at a time, one moment at a time. And so that's why we are here and we're talking about this and we're talking about habits because those small habits done over and over, over time, they matter. If you were with us the first week, we started out with the idea of who before do. Who before do. Before we do something about this, who do we want to be? Who do we want to become? Who does God want us to be? Maybe, you know, you're like, God wants me to be a godly father or a godly mother or or a godly spouse or or to be a godly witness or example to the students I go to school with or, or a person who's healthy or a person who's generous or clean or sober. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? It's the most important place to start before we dive deeper. Because then we said, based on who you want to be, who you want to become, last week we said, based on that, What one habit do we need to start? Well, today I want to take it and add another layer to it. 
based on who you want to be, who you want to become, and I hope you've been thinking about that, asking that question, maybe you've already resolved that, based on who you want to be or become, what one habit do you need to break? Do you need to stop? Do you need to end? Do you need to give up? Do you need to walk away from? What's that one habit that is unhealthy, that's unhelpful, that maybe for some of us is even ungodly, that's taking us in a direction that ultimately we know we don't want to go? What one habit, based on who you want to be, who you want to become, do you need to stop? Do you need to end? Do you need to break? I like what James said about bad habits. James said, get rid of them. He says this in James chapter 1, verse 21. He says, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. And, and you're sitting there reading that going, man, that's difficult. I don't know if I can pull that off on my own. Good. Notice what he says. Here's what we're going to do. How, do. how do we do that? He goes on and he says, submit to God. The language that I use in my own life when I think about this idea of submitting and surrendering to God, it's this idea of, I'm just going to say yes to God over and over and over in more areas of my life. As the Lord leads me, as the Lord guides me, as the Lord shows me, as he speaks to me, I just want to say yes more and more to him. Submit to God, say yes to God, and accept the word that he plants in your heart, which is able to save you. What one habit you and I, using James' word, do we need to get rid of to become the person that God wants us to become? Now, to break that bad habit, we have to get real. We need to acknowledge it. We need to define it. You can't defeat what you cannot define. So what is that one bad habit for you? You might say, well, Chris, I got a lot of them. Well, I got to tell you, just pick one of the 27. Just pick one. Because if you try to tackle all of them, you won't tackle any of them. So freedom, permission, pick one. What's one? And once you pick that, once you think about it, what is it? Talk about it. Define it. You might have a problem, maybe for you it's a bad attitude or a complaining heart or, or gossiping. Maybe for you, it's that, that one bad habit. You got an eating issue and it's too much chocolate, too much snacks, too much this, too much that. Maybe you're addicted, you know, even as an adult or, or, or a young person, you're addicted to video games and there's so much of your life that has been wasted and now it's just become a bad habit for you. Maybe you binge watch too much TV. Maybe for, for you, it might be pornography. Maybe it's your phone or your watch and, and you realize, oh my goodness, I can't stop not looking at it. And you check it nonstop and you realize that's become a habit that's really taken over your life. Maybe it's something you're addicted to, whether it's addicted to nicotine or illegal substances or maybe even prescription medication based on who you want to be, who do you want to become, what one habit do you need to break? We've got to start there by acknowledging it, defining it. Now, here's what I know. And you, I think, know this as well. Good habits are really, really difficult to start. And bad habits are really difficult to break. You figure that out, right? It, it's so hard to start a good habit. It's, it's hard to break a bad habit. For example, a good habit is, is hard, it's difficult, it's challenging at first. 
and the payoff or the win or the success often doesn't come till somewhere in the future. For example, you say, you know, who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? You might, part of it might be, I want to be more healthy or I, you know, and then you define it more. I want to be, you know, someone who, who runs every day or I want to be a jogger. And so in the morning, your alarm goes off and it's earlier than normal. You're like, oh man, it's early. Like, oh, but then you put on your stuff and, and you go out and it's cold and it's rainy and it's, it's hard and it's difficult. And after doing that consistently for a few months, you get on the scale. And you're like, oh my, you've lost five pounds, 10 pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds. You look in the mirror and you're like, man, I'm seeing the beginning of buns of steel. It's difficult at first, and it's the payoff, it's way in the future. You say, man, I want to get more active in the church and involved in the church, more active in my faith. And man, that's difficult at first, right? You're like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to commit to being there and being a part of team, and I need to be there a little earlier than normal, and I'm going to serve more often and regularly, and, and the initial payoff doesn't seem to be there, other than you get up a little earlier, you're more committed, but over time, you realize that was a trigger that helped you, and you look back and go, man, I, I realize I'm closer to God than I used to be. I've got the supernatural peace and joy dwelling inside of me. I, I feel like I'm being more conformed to the image of God more than ever before. I have these amazing friends that we're sharing life together. See, that didn't happen after just a couple of weeks. It took time. That was difficult at first. That payoff didn't start coming to the future. Bad habits are the opposite, right? There's an immediate perceived benefit. See, it's fun to do what's wrong at first. Or to say it another way, sin can be fun, right? Thank you. <laughs> sin can be fun at first, and if you're like, oh, I don't know about that, then listen, you're not doing it right or you're lying. Because <laughs> sin can be fun at first. There's a perceived benefit. And the negative payoff oftentimes isn't until the future. Maybe you get addicted to nicotine or something and there's that perceived benefit and you're a little older but not too old and the doctor tells you you got cancer, lung cancer. Since a good habit is difficult to start, last week we said the key to implementing that good habit is you got to make it easy and got to make it obvious. And hopefully you've been trying that this week, making it easy and making it obvious for that thing you're trying to start. And since a bad habit looks appealing at first, how do we break a ha bad habit? We need to make it more difficult to do. We need to make it a lot harder to do or to get to that bad habit. Listen, you and I only have so much willpower. There's only so much willpower. You can fight something off for a while, but then you will give in. I'll give you a goofy illustration. I love my sister-in-law's homemade chocolate chip cookies. I just do. It's probably my biggest vice of all my vices. That's probably like the biggest one. And they're incredible, and I love them. And at Christmas time, she loves to bake them, and we all get together in the mountains. And she sent out a text this year and with pictures of you know, the first batch, and, and, and I'm getting that, and I'm telling myself, okay, 
Thanksgiving to Christmas was really bad, you know, on the eating stage and the candy and the parties and the junk food and the snacks and this, I don't know why, cease candy, it's like, that's like cease candy month. And, and so, you know, I'm like, man, the belt, everything's snug and tight. I can't wait till New Year's Day to get this rolling. I may not be able to, I may roll down the hill or something. And so I'm like, you know what? I need to start. So I said this year, I'm not having them. I'm getting started early this year. I can do this. I've been teaching on habits. I know how it works. I had a bad system. I'm going to have a good system this year. I'm not eating them. (laughs) Well, since you asked. So we get up there. (laughs) She puts them out on the counter. They're nice and warm, freshly baked. And that first time I go up to the counter, get some dinner, and the cookies are at the end of the line. And I got to tell you, I walked by those cookies with so much confidence and power and victory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't need those stupid cookies. Cookies are for losers. piece of cake. Second time, I walked by them, and that conviction softened. And I was like, hmm, I praise God that I'm not going to eat those. I don't even need those. The third time, I walk over there, I stop, and I touch one. And I just close my eyes. And there's so many chocolate chips, they're bulging off the top. And I'm thinking to myself, I thank God that this has no power over me. And then I smell it. And then I say, "Um, I don't need this. And then I say this, well, Have you figured out in your life, whatever it is for you, once you say, well, well, I'll just tear off a little piece and I'll just eat that. Once I lost my cookie virginity, it was in that moment. I said, you know what, I got to go back and finish that cookie because that's not right to leave somebody else with a partially eaten cookie. Then a little bit later, I said, well, I'll just have another one, just one more. It's no big deal. Oh, someone's been there before. I don't know what your topic is. I'm just using kind of, kind of fun, goofy here, but... This is also a very serious thing for some of us with some of our real stuff. It's no big deal. By the time the evening was over, I did a swan dive into my sister-in-law's chocolate chip cookie heaven. Out of control. Because we only have so much willpower. Willpower isn't what will get us there. So to break a habit, man, we got to make it way more difficult. You, you want to start a habit, you make it easy, you make it accessible, you make it obvious. 
To break a habit, man, you got to make it way more difficult to do. I love the way Solomon said it and phrased it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. He says this. Look what he says. He says, don't set foot on the path to the cookies. <laughs> don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoers. And then he says this. Let's say it together, these two words. He says, he says this, verse 15. What are the two words? He says, let's say it together. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. In other words, we got to make it difficult to do. We got to avoid it. We can't dabble in it. If you were here with us last week, we talked about this thing called a habit loop. And, and researchers have told us over and over and again that, that for habits to start, good habits or bad habits, they all start with a cue or a trigger. Something that says, oh, I want that. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, you know, that's what I want to do. There's a trigger. There's a cue that leads us then to an action. Something we do, a behavior. That then is followed by the reward. The high, the buzz, the dopamine hit, the fun, the pleasure, whatever it is. And then the habit, it's a habit loop, so it repeats itself. There's the trigger, there's the cue. There's the action, there's the behavior, and then there's the reward that we get. So how do we break that when it's not good? How do we break that when it's a bad habit? Well, we got to remove that trigger and or we got to interrupt the action. Whatever it is that triggers you or triggers I in the wrong direction, we, we got to try to remove that trigger. Proverbs 4 said, avoid it, turn from it, go another way, and we're going to interrupt the action. Studies will tell us that, that they're basically, for all of us, we have five major triggers that are generally going to lead us in a direction. So you, get, you and I, we have five major triggers that will lead us in a wrong direction. And you know these in your own life. You know that, 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 that your triggers, there's five of them, you know that you can be triggered by a place which will lead to a bad habit. You know that you can be triggered by, by a particular time. You can be triggered by a certain mood or a certain moment, and you can be triggered by people. These five triggers will lead you and I in the wrong direction. Place, time, mood, moments, or people. Let's think about this for a moment. Let's think about time and place together. You see, there's probably a place where you do a wrong habit or a bad habit that you don't do elsewhere. You probably don't overeat at the gym. <laughs> probably doesn't happen. You probably don't get high when you come to church. If you do, there's some major spiritual development issues going on and we need to talk. You probably don't do those things at those places, but you might overeat at a particular restaurant. Or you might, you know, alter your, you know, your state in a specific house or a specific location. It's the place. And there's also time. You probably aren't looking at porn when you're with your small group. That's not the right time. When do you do it? There's probably a time and a place where you do it. So we've got to try to remove the trigger put an obstacle in the way. David, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us about him, he was a man after God's own heart. 
which is an incredibly remarkable statement. And yet if you know the story of David, you know that he made a horrible mistake, which was the result of wrong place, wrong time. David, the king who loved God, ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba and then ended up having her husband killed. Why? 2 Samuel chapter 11 tells us. It says this, that in the springtime, when kings go off to war, David's a king. In the springtime, when they go off to the war, that's the place he's supposed to be. David stayed back at the palace. So he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it led him to see something that he shouldn't have seen. He was there creeping on a neighbor who was bathing, which led him to do something he shouldn't have done, which ended up costing him way more than he wanted to pay. Man, if we have a place or we have a time where we find ourselves vulnerable, we've got to remove those, those triggers from our lives. There's also our moods. You and I are more vulnerable to bad habits, bad decisions, bad choices, bad steps when we're in certain moods. It's important to understand this. Experts will teach us that, that there's something they, that's called HALT, H-A-L-T. And, and, and when these are moods, and when you have these moods, that should be a trigger, that should be a cue for us, a trigger for us that we need to halt, we need to stop. That we're in these moods that, 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 that can lead to bad habits. So when you're H, hungry, that can make you vulnerable. You're vulnerable when you're hungry. You're vulnerable, I'm vulnerable when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired. So when I'm in a mood, whether hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, I'm more vulnerable. So I got to be careful. I got to interrupt that action. I need to remove that trigger. I need to stop Proverbs 4 as we looked at. We need to get out of the danger. We need to go a different path, a different way when we're in a certain mood. And then there are moments when something happens. And it's in that moment that we end up doing the very things that we don't want to do. That moment triggers us. We have a fight with our spouse and it's in those moments that, that our, our habit has become, we call our friends and we kind of do a spouse, spouse bashing party. It's in those moments. Or you go out with the guys after a game and you usually are always drink too much. It's that moment that triggers you to do something that leads you to do something you don't want to do, which ultimately leads you to be someone you don't want to be. So we want to distance ourselves from the time, from the place, from the mood, from the moment, and then we need to address people. The wrong people can, can be triggers for us that will lead us in the wrong direction and in a bad habits, just as the right people can trigger us and lead us in the right direction. In fact, studies have conclusively proved that, that, that those that you are closest to, you will most likely have similar habits as them. It's exactly what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And he said this, he said that if you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you're a companion of fools, you'll suffer harm. In other words, we become like the people that we run around with. So I was thinking about that this week, and I'm going to ask you to do the same right now. I want you to think about the, the three or four or five people that you are closest to 
Okay, outside of your, you know, the people you live with, outside of them, who are the three or four or five people you're closest to? I was really thinking about that this week and thinking about those people in my life. And the first thing I was doing is just praising God for them. There's just a, such a huge blessing in my life. But if I, as I started thinking about this verse and thinking about it and, and, and thinking about them, I realized the similarities, that they all love Jesus passionately that they're all heavily involved in the church, that they're all professionals who are succeeding in some area of their life, that they all eat pretty disciplined, that they all live beneath their means financially, that they're all incredibly generous, that they all have good families, that they're all positive people, they're not divisive, and they like to enjoy life without a whole bunch of drama. Think about how much easier it is for me to live a life that honors God when I'm around people like that who have those habits and those disciplines. What about the flip side? If my closest friends were, you know, like George Costanza, unemployed and living with his parents, suffering addiction problems, that they're always griping and complaining and seeing the worst in life and the worst in people. It would be so much more difficult for me to live a life that honors God if that is what is the consistent input in my life. Don't miss this. And this might be brutal for some of us to hear, but it's almost impossible to live, you put the word in, a good, godly, right life when we have the wrong friends. Now, because I know some of you are like, I got an email to send right now. So let me pause you right now. Here's the parentheses. Yes, I, I know. You know, I know. We all know. This doesn't mean that we're not a light to people. This doesn't mean that we're not friends with all sorts of people. God's called us to that, to reach people who are far from God and, and to reach out to people and to be a light and to be a witness. And God's absolutely called us to that. That's the life we have to live. But let's not confuse that with 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when Paul said, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. He's saying you become like the people you're around. So people can be a trigger. They can lead us in the wrong direction. They can lead us down a path of destructive habits. And so for some of us, for some of us this morning, maybe it's time for us to look at our closest relationships. And maybe for some of us, it's time to redefine those relationships. To have a conversation, to look at what's happening in those relationships, to, to think about, to examine the time we spend with them, how much, what type of time, What are you going to do? We got to look at the triggers and we got to interrupt the action. We got to remove the trigger in some cases. We got to interrupt the action. That plays out in so many different ways. And you can start thinking about this in, in, in the areas that you're thinking in your life. Some of you are saying, you know what? For, I'll just give you a couple of simple examples. But some of you say, you know what? I want to be a person who maximizes my day for the glory of God. You're like, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be wise with my time. I don't want to waste my time. And, and so for you, you say, you know what? I am done hitting the snooze button seven times every morning. Like, okay, that's, that, that's me. I, I want to maximize my day. And I, that's eight times seven, 56 times, I'm, I'm 56 minutes that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just in and out of sleep and just kind of, I could use that time. So in order to make it more difficult, remember, you got to make it difficult. In order to make it more difficult to hit the snooze, 
What do you do? Some of you, I was talking to people out there, they were like, yeah, that's, that's really a big deal for me. What do you do? You take that phone, you get it out of the bed, you get it off the nightstand, and you put it as far away as you can. I, I, so for you, you, you make it, get it so far away, you make it difficult to hit the snooze. So you got to get out of bed. You got to get out of the warm, cuddly, snuggly, warm, cozy bed. Walk across the cold floor and go turn that off. And it's in those couple moments that kind of woke you up out of the fog. And then, last week we talked about habit stacking. Right there next to the phone, you put, if you're like, I want to be a person who's healthier and go to the gym. And so you put your gym clothes right there and you put them on right then and there. And that was that habit stacking thing we talked about last week. By doing that, you're making it more difficult to hit the snooze. By removing the trigger, you're making that more difficult to do. You're interrupting the habit or the action. You say, you know what? I want to be a person who, you know, who fills my mind with things that I haven't been filling my mind with. I want to be a reader and, and read things that will be more of a help and blessing to my life. That's what I want to be. But you look at your life and you know, I got some habits in my life that aren't good. And you know, you're looking at your habits, you say, here's my habit. I get in the car and I listen to talk radio and it makes me angry and upset every single day. I'm angry at half the country because I'm listening to this stuff. And so you say, you know what? I'm going to make that more difficult. I'm going to treat my car like a rental. You know, when you get in a rental car and you go hit all the presets and they're all like random numbers and, and digits and like, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So treat your car the same because you have all the presets for your five, you know, biggest bashing, you know, be angry at life stations. So I'm going to change those to random. Make that a little more difficult that you would have to turn to that. Remove the podcast from your phone that you've been listening to that you know isn't helping you and it's contributing to that bad habit in your life. So you've just made it more difficult to listen to talk radio. You interrupted the habit. And so what do you do? Say, okay, I want to be a reader. And so, you know, you download the, the Audible app and say, it's tough to physically sit and read, so I'm going to listen. And you download that on your phone. And, and so you get in your car. The presets are all messed up to randomness. And, and you're, you have your Bluetooth on. As soon as you get in the car, fire up the car, all of a sudden that book that you were listening to pops up on your radio or on your speakers. And over time you realize, oh, starting to become a person. I'm becoming a reader. I'm making those steps. I made it hard to do the bad habit. I made it easy to do the good habit. So you're here this morning. That's a big issue. The more I read about it, the more studies I read, you know this porn is a big issue in our culture today. And some of you are sitting here today saying, I want to stop it and I wish it wasn't in my life. You got to make it way more difficult to do. Give passwords to others. Get in accountability type groups or apps. Set up the hardware, the software to, that'll make that more of a challenge. Uh, don't delete your history. Give your spouse permission or friends permission to see everything regularly, to get the reports that come in every week because you say, you know what? My purity matters so much. I'm not gonna let these images take me out and ruin my life and destroy intimacy with someone who's there for something that's not even real. And you say, I'm gonna break that habit. And there's some of you, man, you're deep into a habit, some sort of addiction, gambling, addiction to alcohol or drugs or prescription medications, some kind of sexual addiction. For you to break that habit, it's time for rehab. 
It's time to own up. Say, I'm not going to let that keep having control of my life anymore. I've got to remove that trigger. I've got to speak up. I've got to interrupt that habit. For some of you, it's just speaking it out loud. How do you break a ha- bad habit? Remove the trigger. Break the action. Make it difficult to do. Some of you are sitting here this morning saying, I want that. I really do, but I'm weak. I'm just really weak. I got to tell you, if that's you and you're saying I'm too weak, you are in the best place you could possibly be. Want to know why? What does Scripture tell us? When I'm weak in Christ, then I am. Anybody know? Then I'm strong. You've been trying to do it on your own. This isn't a self-help to say, here's what I'm going to do. This is coming for Jesus, having a better system in place. And that system starts with you and I saying, I'm weak and I can't do this and I need him to help me in this journey and in this system so that I can break these habits, so that I can interrupt the action, so that I can remove the triggers. And that's only going to happen when I turn to Jesus in my weakness, in my humility, then he can be strong. And here's something I want you to keep in mind. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, you're going through this. Paul understood. He said, no temptation in your, you, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. And he's not going to allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He always gives you a way out. He always gives me a way out. There's always a way out. Think about Samson for a minute. 54,000 steps in the same wrong direction. That was 54,000 steps to halt, to stop. 54,000 steps to turn around. 54,000 steps that God was showing him a way out. 54,000 steps that God was giving him an opportunity to reflect and realize this isn't who I want to be. This isn't who I want to become. This isn't the life that God has for me. God has created me for something so much more. Who do you want to be? And who do you want to become? You're going to start a good new habit. You're going to break a bad habit. No matter how small that choice is today, you say, I'm going to start small. Zechariah 4 says, God doesn't despise those small beginnings. In fact, he rejoices when you take a step towards him. When you take that small step, because he says, now you're going in the right direction. You're not going in the wrong direction. Now you're being more conformed to the image of my will. So I close with Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul just said it to us this way. Hey, guys, let's not become weary in doing good. I know it's hard sometimes, especially because the payoff oftentimes isn't way until the future. In fact, he says, for at the proper time. In other words, it may be in the distance, but we will get there. He says, for at the proper time, if we don't become weary in doing good, he says, then we're going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. So church, don't give up. 
And it's not in your own power, it's in the power and the strength of God that resides in you. It's his Holy Spirit that gives you the strength to be who God wants you to be, to become the person that God wants you to become. So what habit are you ready to define, to identify, to say, here it is, and I'm gonna remove the triggers and I'm gonna interrupt the action so I can be the person that God's called me to be. Would you bow your heads? I'd encourage you to close your eyes. The reason I have you do these actions here is just to kind of free up your heart and mind. There's no distractions around you. And I want to give you an opportunity right now, whether you've done it each week or this might be the first time, to answer the question, who you want to be? Who do you want to become? And tell God that in a moment. So what habit do you need to stop in order to be that person? It's time to acknowledge it. So Lord Jesus, would you hear our prayers as we humbly come before you, acknowledging, God, we're weak. We've had these bad habits and they've gotten in the way of what we even know you have for us. And so God, we come before you humbly, our hearts laid bare before you, saying we need you, we're weak. We're asking you to be strong in our life. So God, hear these prayers. And right where you're sitting, where you know what it is. Would you tell God? Confess it to Him. Say, so God, here's my habit. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to walk away from it. And say to God, God, there's some triggers that, that lead me into this habit. And so God, by your strength, I want to remove these triggers. I want to interrupt the action so that I can just live a life that honors you. I need your help, God. Lead me, guide me. Give me your strength. In Jesus' name. God, hear those prayers. In whatever depth of emotion, whatever depth of even simpleness, whatever range of emotion and what you're doing in people's heart through your Holy Spirit, wherever we land on that spectrum, God, you take all these prayers I'm asking and just do your miraculous work. Keep growing us more into your image. Keep working your good work in us. And we give you the glory for this. That you who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we rejoice in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.